Iowa everywhere. Hello, everybody. This is Sage Rosenfels. Welcome to the Sage Rosenfels Experience on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Today, I have on a special guest, Brent Bloom. He is the director of the We Will Collective. Uh, he helps out Iowa State in all their NIL needs. Uh, obviously, it's a completely growing and changing world. Uh, we discuss everything Iowa State athletics for the most part, uh, men's and women's basketball, of course, football, uh, and where we are in this world of, of, of NIL. We also talk about, of course, these uh, former Iowa State players uh, in the NBA, guys like George Yang, Tyrese Halliburton. So it's a great pod. Uh, come get it. Uh, thanks for listening. From the Channel Seed Studios, Channel Seed Studios. This, this is the Sage Rosenfels Experience, exclusively on Iowa Everywhere. It's like it's a TV show. Hello, everybody. This is Sage Rosenfels here. You're on the Sage Rosenfels Experience on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am with today a man that my son calls him the Encyclopedia. Uh, I call him Brent Bloom. Uh, Brent is the director of the We Will Collective, Iowa State's sort of NIL arm. Um, he is a longtime Iowa State fan, longtime Iowa State announcer, writer, worked at the school. He's an Iowan. Uh, he loves Iowa State more than anybody I know. And with the seasons, basketball seasons ending for Iowa State, I thought to myself, well, what's state of the union type of thing? Football season last year. Basketball seasons are done. Some of the main sports, you got the spring sports going on. And as we look into next year, and there's nobody, nobody that I could think that could answer all these questions. And the state of the NIL situation, that question as well, because not only at Iowa State, but I want to talk about some of these other schools and what you hear out there, because this guy hears it all. Uh, Brent Bloom, thanks for coming back on the show. You, you forgot to say part-time co-host with Sage Rosenfels on the yes, one the Rose, the Rosenblum Rosen podcast. It's a the big Rosen upgrade Bloom. for you now. I would, and that, that intro was big time. Like, wow. It probably should have been the Rosenblum experience. <laughs> Great <laughs> to be was. here though, my friend. How are it things was. with you? We're, we're, we're Sage mm -hmm. headed next. Well, uh, Sage says next. Um, I'm going to Austin on Friday. I'll be okay. there for a couple of days and either I'll be there for a while or you know, when you get to Austin, when you get to Texas, you're also closer to the things further south, like Mexico or Costa Rica or something. So that's that's a possibility. It's got a good uh, airport my, there. I like the my, airport in Austin. It's a great airport. Yeah, really Austin probably has, of all the airports, I think Austin might have the best airport for the size of it, right? The huge airports suck. Austin's still sort of a mid-level size airport for the most part, but it has like good restaurants, like some of the better restaurants in town that are popular that people like. They have those restaurants at the airport. Uh, they have live music throughout the day. Um, yeah, it's and it's a busy, it's gotten busier and busier. I will say that. Yeah, yeah I, like, get, I, like, I like Austin outside of the obvious. Yeah, I know. What's interesting about Austin is in, in bigger cities – you think everyone is sort of the, like in Ames, everyone's pretty much an Iowa State fan for the most part. But in, in Austin, actually, it's it's not that much. A lot of people don't care at all. Like they, right. they, they're they not from there. Their business is there, whatever whatever it might be. Uh, or they went to another school. They went to there's a, bu a building in Austin. At the top of it has this really sort of odd crown on it. You're like, what is that building? 
that building was built and the, the architect was a rice owl grad. Hmm. And that building looks right over Austin's uh, uh, Texas campus. And got all the, everything was passed. This is what we're going to build. Great thing. And then only after the fact that the thing was built, did he come out and say, well, the top of that looks like an owl's head. Ah, Because nice. we're the rice owls looking down on the, uh, uh, the, the Texas campus. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, like do like, I do like going down there. I'm not a huge fan of the state of Texas. It's, it is the Wild West down there. It's, and it's just so huge. Um, but I do like Austin. It's got great weather. This, this, their spring's already here. It's 85, and I like to get outdoors. I'm an outdoors person. I had J.D. Shulton on the other day. Nice. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, indoor, outdoor, living, you know, Midwest, very indoor because of the weather. But also, we just have so much land, so you have to drive from place to place, right? And so you sort of end up in your house, your car, back into another business or a restaurant, and you're sitting a lot, which, which probably hurts our ability to be healthy. Uh, anyway... What also hurts our ability to be healthy is sometimes the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, they, yeah. they, they stress us out. We've made it this uh, far, though, buddy. We've made them. it. <laughs> we're root for them. Now, I didn't grow up an Iowa State Cyclone fan, so I don't have, like, my entire life of, of you know, hopes and dreams and things dashed. But um, um, I guess Hawkeye fans, they have a lot. Their dreams are just dashed in a different way sometimes. You know, they're in the same situation. Not a lot of national championships over there. But this women's basketball team, Caitlin Clark, might be the most fun. Steph Curry changed the game, by the way. Before we get to the Iowa State stuff, you're the NBA guy. Steph Curry changed the game. Caitlin Clark is because of Steph Curry. People just just do these things that 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 you're not supposed to do. Not the way we were taught basketball. Yeah, I would just, I mean, I would encourage people to, to try a three point shot from the NBA range. It's, it's not easy. And then I mean, she, she's made it look pretty easy. It's been fun to watch. I mean, I'm happy for her. Uh, a lot of people don't know her brother was the a holder for Iowa state's football team. Mm. So they're like a really neat athletic family family is just like, it's like the Cyhawk story. And yeah, obviously, you know, family is, goes deeper than the rivalry, but her, her brother is a super successful guy. He's now working in the in the central Iowa area and uh, was a big member of Iowa State's football team. Good dude. Incredible. Yeah. Iowa has athletic families. They do. Like, um, I think Jess Settles, his cousin went to my high school. He was a great athlete. He went and played some small college ball. I believe there's a connection with George Kittle there. But that family yeah. had, like, all these, uh, uh, I think there was, like, a, a group of, like, 13 kids and, like, nine were women or something and they were all like first team all-state basketball players in southeast iowa iowa really has these like family family and uh, if you talk to families if you talk to the coaches specifically football and basketball i was generating more and more power five level athletes in the big sports you know used to be sage during your time there was what probably three to four five maybe football had, players yeah i had this conversation with i believe Derek hudger who's sort of iowa state's recruiting coordinator and i asked him that and he said back in my days there's between four and six a year division one recruits and probably let's say there were five f- three went to iowa one went to iowa state and one went to nebraska that's probably how it was back in those days now they have 15 he said between 12 and even 20 division one level uh, uh, football players coming out of the state of Iowa. And then on the men's and women's basketball side, it's getting a lot better. I mean, just, just look for Iowa state, you know, Omaha Baloo uh, was, is a McDonald's all American 
more than held his own this week in that McDonald's All-American game. He'll be an instant starter for Iowa State next year. He wasn't even the Mr. Basketball in the state of Iowa. It was uh, the Sanford kid who's at the other Waukee High School who's going to Iowa. So, Incredible. Um, and I, I would say on the basketball front, you know, Power 5, there's maybe half a dozen. But as far as Division One, there are more and more kids that are going to the Missouri Valley types where there's upwards of 20, 30, 40 just on the men's side. And then women's wise, you know, I would say it's got Audie Crooks coming in. Obviously, you know about Caitlin Clark. It's just basketball is becoming a big deal. And I think the talent in the state, it's not like I was growing any faster than anywhere else. But I just think the what has really happened is the grassroots stuff has become pretty sophisticated. So the AAU programs are getting better. And then, like it or not, um, the Central Iowa High School specifically, your Waukees, your Waukee Northwest, your Ankeny, your Ankeny Centennials, um, Dowling, of course, Valley, these are monster athletic programs now, and they are producing a lot of talent. And if you look even like eighth grade and, and up, there are some big-time players coming up the pipeline too. Do you know why that is? The I, suburbs? Why the suburbs generally pretty much dominate sports around it's, America? It's resources and interest, I would assume. Resources, I think interest, but also – there's really nothing else to do sometimes. There's sort of like you get into a, everyone gets that's, into some sort of pattern. True. You wake up, you're, you go to school, you come home, and what is your activity? And we sign them up for activities because we don't want them sitting around looking at their phones and doing nothing. And so it could be dance, it could be basketball, it could be um, baseball, any of these things. And they we just dive full throttle into this. When I was growing up, we played sports all the time, but we did so many other things all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I live in the suburbs and, and, and my kid's not uh, uh, taking her bike down into the ditches and ramping over the road, like in the gravel road where I was growing up. You know, there's just not all that outdoor uh, stuff that I had grew up in the country in Iowa, right? There's not animals to take care of. There's not all these these things. And I think the suburbs, and then they have the resources, they have the resources for private training. They have the resources to pay a thousand bucks or 5,000 bucks or for dance, $10,000. Jeez. And just the tuition and the outfits and all the things. Um, and they, they just go full throttle into it. And uh, it, it does produce an exceptional amount of really good athletes who've had, you know, great shooters because at the age of five, they had a, guy who played professional football and they coach, paid him a couple yeah. hundred dollars a shooting coach and that one or those few incidents at a young age produces you start a kid sees some success he sees it actually work and then off you go yep and it can no, completely I, change who they are it's a great point i'm actually really curious to see the impact caitlin clark has on the kids right now that are you know fourth grade fifth grade and, and up i mean i i you know, like Steph Curry changed the the game in a lot of ways. I I think there's there's a, something to be said that Iowa could be an epicenter for specifically women's basketball going forward. I mean, clearly Iowa's making a name for itself. Iowa State is supported always at the top five level fan wise. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think, you know, I, it, how could you not if you're if you're a you know a girl at second, third, fourth grade, how can you not fall in love with the game? And I, I I'm interested. I I like the big picture conversation. 10 years from now, what does this mean for this state and what basketball looks like? Players who are just better than everybody else 
inspire basically everybody. There you go. It yep. raises the level for everybody. Ted Lasso. You watch Ted Lasso? I love it. It's my favorite show. All right. Did you see the most recent episode? I haven't seen that. I saw that. I saw the premiere for this season. I haven't seen that. Uh, uh, okay. The second episode. This, Don't give this, it away. Well, I'm not going to, but this new guy comes in. Okay. And he's, he's, he's the greatest soccer. He's Pele, but he's, he's current. Right. And there's all this excitement about him. And, um, but what it sort of does over time is that other players should be like, I want to be like him. I need to work harder. I need to, I need to think about the game differently. And you can tell this is going to just raise everybody up. Yep. Caitlin Clark has that ability for me. Jordan grown up had that. Yep. Those great players that are just like, they're better than everybody else. And what are they doing? And, and they got to do more or better or what's, or why not? And she shoots those threes and it's like, why not? She's making half of them. Well, For, 40, 41 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds. It is. And she's not, uh, how tall is she? Is she six foot? Six foot probably. Yeah. yeah. And, but I think more than anything, it's like, it's one thing to see somebody doing it at a high level nationally. That's from wherever. But the fact that she grew up in central Iowa it's a lot easier story to tell to a kid of like, oh well, she's from the same area you are. Why can't you do that? So yeah, yeah, I think I, mean, I think it's great. I mean, I know I I could say the Iowa State thing is like, well, Iowa State's been supported at a high level in women's basketball for twenty years. Where's the attention been there? It's true, which is a fact. But I I don't know how you can't look at her and say this this is not a positive for the entire state. Yeah, uh, I'd love for Iowa to be a basketball state. And like we do it better, but do it better than Indiana in, in I, the way, you know, they, the way they did it. I, I basketball was my favorite sport growing up. I love the state basketball tournament back at the the barn at the vet. Um, there's something about the sport. I think it sort of is like the best sport. I've always thought that, right. You're, you're going to have injuries, but you're not going to have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, uh, concussions and things where all these other sports have it. You are around a wide variety of people, which I do love. Um, you know, be in, and there's a vast uh, amount of skills. And I just think that it's the rawest of like connecting with teammates and the opposition. Football is very impersonal. It is with your teammates, but the other team, it's very impersonal. Wrestling's very personal, right? Yeah. Tennis is the ball is the only thing that's personal, right? So there's this other person, cool. but the physicality of basketball and the athleticism, I've always felt it's a, it's a great, and it, I know I, Iowans have always loved it. And it would be cool if, if Caitlin Clark brings not only Iowa, but also Iowa state to like this whole other level. Cause Iowa state's been a fantastic program since Bill Finley has been there 25, six yeah. years yep. and um, not generally in the top in the final fours. But uh, um, I, I think that's a word pro, two programs that can be phenomenal college basketball. And here's, I, I think this will tie into the rest of our conversation. I do think there is a much better chance for the two big in-state programs in the state to be successful at basketball than to be successful at football because it's a numbers game and in this era until it's regulated which we'll get into this is why Creighton can be really successful at basketball they don't have a football team they focus all of their resources just on basketball and And Nebraska could be successful at football because they don't have a basketball team even though they have a basketball team it's yeah. I mean, so I think you're just, and that's a good dig. I like that to our guy, Fred. Um, no, but I think it's just a numbers game. There's 13 scholarship men's players compared to 85 scholarship football players. So just taking the talent 
off the table of your in-state, which, and that's a factor too. It's a lot easier in the NIL world. If you just want to focus on being good in one area, it's a lot easier to be better at basketball because it's a starting five rather than a starting 22. It's just a simple math. Game. I, 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 think, I was, ex, I was explained yeah. to that. Uh, I, I was, I was had that explained to me when I was in college. Uh, I was talking to one of our coaches and we talked about that. Why is it so hard to turn a football program around? He goes, well, basketball, you have five players. You get two or three really good players randomly in a class. And then you get some role players and you got a guy or two off the bench. That's not bad. You can have yourself a heck of a season in football. They're starting 11, but you really need like 50 really good, you know, good football players and some great football players. And that's, and it, and, and there's so much a development issue there, physical yep. size and, and, you know, gain 30, 50 pounds uh, that takes time. And so you have to have something like, like 85 scholarships and that, and so it makes, which makes that ship so much bigger and so much harder to turn and so much also hard to like move up the classes of, of college football, you know, from the highest peak of the, the Ohio States and Alabama's to the, the various classes as you work your way down to the smallest levels of football. It's such a big ship where basketball, a good coach and a, the right couple of guys. What school is this? There, there was what fairly Dickinson didn't have a band, yeah. I think. And so like, I mean, so, so, so basketball, it can't, it can happen. And, that's um, why I, and of course you're right in the middle of that. I do think it's interesting if, if some schools just want to be really good at one sport, they have the ability to do that a lot easier than, than at any time in history, because they could just focus all of the resources. Now they won't because football is still the animal that brings in all the revenue that, that lifts all boats. But if somebody really wanted to focus just on basketball, and this is why I do think those big E schools that don't have football programs are going to be a player until the, the end of time in this world because they don't have to pay the 85 football players. Huge. And so it's, it's a huge advantage. And so I, if I'm buying stock, I'm buying stock in the, in the Creightons and the Villanovas and the Marquettes and the, and the Georgetowns because the St. John's, they, they don't have football – they also have that thing called uh, private school money and, and that too, private right? school the money base. many times is larger uh, per per degree as, as my guess. I don't know than, than public school money. Um, of course they don't have the numbers, but you're right. Uh, I live in Omaha and, and Creighton here. It's the, it's the NBA game in town and it's yeah. like an NBA arena too. I, it's not like, it's not cozy like Iowa state or, or Duke or something. It's just like all those other arenas and they fill the place up. They get 18,000. They win. Dermot McDermott's got a great thing going on over there, but they started as a Northern Iowa Drake conference right. school back in the day. Um, one of my good friends, Brody Darren from Harlan, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, remember uh, him. Yep. Uh, played uh, uh, basketball there. And of course they have jumped up to the big East and I watched, I got to see uh, Xavier play twice this year. Uh, I got to see him at, at the big East tournament. We'll talk about that by the, the big East tournament. The Big East tournament, I, I like going to Kansas City. The Big East tournament's next level. Some year, yeah, skip like the Iowa State and go to the Big East tournament. You're, it, it's a whole different level of these people are taking trains and guys weekends. Trains in from Providence, trains in from D.C. Uh, all the schools are in that area. And they come in and they come in on like Wednesday and they just stay until Saturday. And they just have like a three or four day there's games all day. A buddy of mine uh, plays for the Giant or worked for the Giants. Works for the Giants, and he, he has a hundred people wow. of random group of friends where they get together and end up being pretty late nights. And you can have some late nights uh, in New York City, New York City, in, in, yeah. in that neck no, of the woods. 
It's um, it's interesting. I, I if honestly, I I think Creighton's a top ten job in in men's basketball yeah. right now. I really yeah, do, which is so, weird to say, but it's true. Yeah. So I got to see Xavier play. I got to see um, uh, Marquette play. Fantastic uh, a club. I actually saw UConn play against Iowa State out there in Portland over Thanksgiving. That Big East conference is real, and it's coming back. And yeah. um, there's a St. John's move there. But you're right; they, they don't have football programs. There's all these. I think they're all some sort of Catholic school in, in one way or another. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, and Creighton is, is a great addition to that conference, and they fill the place up. Those other schools don't – I mean, you go to a Georgetown game, watch a Georgetown game they play where the Wizards play, there's like a couple thousand people there, right? Uh, the Midwesterners bring the fans, and that's been a great move for Creighton, a great move for the Big East Conference. And, that, and you're right, that conference could become the easiest conference to become one of the – top or the top conference in basketball as this NAL thing plays out. And I give a lot of credit to Connecticut. So they basically punted on their football program a couple of years ago and said, you know what, let's just focus on basketball. And now the football program, actually, I think they made a bowl game this year, but they know their legacies in basketball and look now they're in the final four. Right. And I don't think it's a coincidence that if you dedicate to one specific, specific sport, if it's basketball, you can rise to that level a lot faster than football. I, lo- I love your comparison with it's like a large, a large boat that has to turn in football because it takes a long time. You're not doing it overnight, especially now. A lot of resources. Yes, takes a lot of resources. A heavy lift, but again, but it carries a lot of resources. Yeah, the return is so huge. Like you need to be competitive at football at the power five level. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying those schools who don't have to worry about it are at a huge advantage going forward because it's a lot easier to get a roster of. 13 basketball guys and it is a roster of 85 football guys a football program is sort of like um how do you describe it? it's it's like you know when you, you rent a you own a house and you rent it and then you get maybe get some money on it but there's this equity that builds up and or just over time it goes up in value right um i feel like football programs are like that for universities like we may not even win but hey we're on tv a lot and over time all these people from all over the country are occasionally seeing that game. And that looks fun. And I'm going to go check out Iowa State. I hear they have a good engineering program. Otherwise, don't know anything about any Iowa State or Ames, Iowa. And it is like the number one marketing arm for every school really is the basketball and or football team. And you have to look at it from like a different aspect of you know i was a marketing major so you start to see you know why things are done and why they're done and why the resources go to certain places um and speaking of those resources we have resources to go to iowa state basketball men's and women's yes Uh, how'd this year go and uh, how did things end up you know i it it was an interesting year for both i think both had different journeys let's just on the men's side um you know this is a team that that probably exceeded expectations but did it in a bizarre way so they have you know an unbelievable non-conference again then they start, what was it, 4-0 in Big 12 play and up into the top 10 nationally going, oh, my gosh, is this team, can they do it? But then regress to the mean, I would say, and this is a team that was always going to be challenged offensively and picked the worst possible time to have their worst game, and that was against Pittsburgh where you only put up 41 points. 41 points. So it's just, and it ultimately, like, this was the, that was the fear for that team is if it goes bad, it can really go bad. Now, they were to mask it most of the year by creating turnovers and getting easy baskets. Uh, but the, the, just the things hit the wall in the tournament, plus you had some roster issues. The Caleb Grill situation became a story. 
not only was he a good shooter, but then he took the attention away from – he brought some of the, the defense away from the three-point line, which allowed some of the big guys to have more success. Oshun was the big guy that wasn't really healthy in February and March. That hurt. So disappointing end of the season, but I don't know how you can't be pumped up with the uh, first two years of the Alzheimer's era for sure. I'm going to address the Caleb Grill issue, by the way. Yeah. I know I know nothing really about it. And then you get basically, you know, sort of kicked off the team. He wrote a an, an endearing letter um, that uh, apologized and, you know, he wants to be a part of this, being the Iowa State family forever. Um, my biggest experience with him was two games this year. I got to see him um, over Christmas. He, he played great. Uh, I don't know if it was like right before New Year's, maybe um, right around New Year's, played great in that game. And then early in the year, Iowa State played North Carolina in that uh, the Nike classic out there, the Phil Knight classic. Yep. And you, by the way, if you're ever, if Iowa State plays out there next year, make it a family trip. You, you can pay 50 bucks and sit like in the fifth row. No one's at these games. It's Thanksgiving. Who's going to Portland? But you have all these yeah. great teams. So I'm watching Iowa State, North Carolina, sitting in the third row, and grill was on fire, and I was firing up the grill to all the Carolina fans around me, and they loved it. And they loved it. They're like, oh, what a great, what a great, you know, phrase for for one of your players, you know. And they were, you know, they were great fans, and, and uh, we had a good laugh about it. But um, – that's, that is a tough situation. You yeah. have those on teams. Sometimes it brings things together. Um, sometimes it, it rips things apart. Coaches, players, whatever that type of situation is. Um, either way, uh, it, 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 the, the, the season had a lot of promise. But at the end of the day, I, I thought it was a very qual- high-quality season. Iowa State plays in the, this Big 12 Conference basketball. Didn't do great in the tournament. But overall, I think it's one of the top two or three uh, conferences in America. Top to bottom, for sure, no question. And um, they they were low limited this year. When the when the three pointers weren't going in, they weren't scoring. That was it. I watched enough times where like you know they 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 didn't score a ton inside. But if you weren't making your three pointers, they if they were if they were one for ten, they were going to get beat. And yeah. they sort of lived and died by it. And 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 they were and they were a streaky team. They just didn't have that player who could like, we're going to go to that guy and we're going to feed this guy. And he's going to, he's just better than everybody else. He is not Caitlin Clark, but he is just this, he's one of the best player. He's the best player on the floor. And Iowa State didn't have that guy this year. And I think the the question is in the future is like, well, is Iowa State always going to be this way? And the answer is no. I think what this staff has done a really good job of is they knew when they got here, I mean, basketball is pretty simple. You got to put the ball in the basket. Like even you can figure that out, Sage. When you don't have guys that can do that consistently, you have to muck up the game and kind of make it a grinder. And they came with the philosophy last year. You're coming off a two-win season. You don't have many offensively skilled guys. Let's create chaos and be a defensive-focused team. Well, I think as the staff matures and the recruiting has picked up and you're bringing in a top-10 recruiting class next year, you're going to see Iowa State become more offensive-minded, hopefully without losing the tenacity in the defensive end. So you're not going to go like Hoiberg era where you're, you know, you're putting up 85, but giving up 82. Um, but I don't think you'll be as good defensively. The guys they got bringing in there that are coming in and that they're actively pursuing in the portal, they'll be able to, I think they will be a lot more effective offensively next year, which hopefully then uh, gets a little deeper in the tournament. I always say the tournaments are the worst, best way to determine a champion, but you need in that tournament, you need guards that can put the ball in the basket consistently. Yeah. And, 
Iowa State was never built to be a sustained tournament team. I think they'll get there eventually uh, once they pick up some more skilled guys in the portal and, and to get the freshman class coming in. It should be interesting. Uh, they're fun to watch. Um, culture and talent and X's and O's are this sort of like combination, I feel like, that goes into any team, uh, any, you know, sports team, right? Uh, football is like that. It takes a long time to, to change culture. And also culture is always evolving, I feel like. Um, also, X's and O's are learned and they're played in, in the first year, and you just you, you haven't really run these plays versus opponents. You're just right, and then and then those plays evolve too, and the players get better at them, right? And there's just a deeper understanding every year. You have that same coach as long as he's a good coach, and that. But as, if you have that culture, I feel like you can grow the the you know the ability to, to even deeper understand defense so they play even better on defense and then the, these young guys come in there's already this thing in place exactly these plays have been run for a couple of years and here's the good and the bad first we start here then we go to here and then now we're like level four of this play that the first year we just got to like level one and two and these now the talent comes in i i think it'd be really exciting going into into year three yeah it's, it's time and they've they are doing such a great job in the high school recruiting these guys are just going to get better and better now the, the question and this is where where my world comes in is the the amount of money being thrown around in in the portal is absolutely insane right now because so give an example sage i think there's one player in the final four that that starts at the freshman what what these programs have realized is i can get the best 18 year old talent but you give me a a 23 year old, a 24 year old that has been playing for five and six years, and they're still going to be better, even yeah. if they're not the future NBA player, but experience, physicality, all that stuff wins out. And so all the, these the, programs want to get old, like they want to get old tomorrow and they can with the portal. And so uh, the, the, the price of conversation to get in on some of these older guys in the portal is really high and the big spenders are going to have an advantage. And also the concern for Iowa State is the big spenders come to our talent that came here. Correct. And then in a year or two years after they've proven themselves, they go, hey, I want this 21-year-old kid who averaged 20 a game in the Big 12, and we can pay him a half million or a million dollars. And the the fine folks' names, Iowa just can't do that. So what you're you're seeing already is the, the, I say the Blue Blood program, not even the Blue Blood programs, it's the teams that have resources, really. Like, even if you're a Blue Blood program, but you don't have the donor base, it doesn't matter because Miami can come in and just give you whatever. Um, Mr. Ruiz down there. Yeah, and he's single-handedly changed the fortunes of their basketball program, which is like, it's part, it's legal for the most part. I think he's doing it. If you had a billion dollars. How much would you spend every year on Iowa State athletics? You spend I, like fifty million a year. Just hey, this I is would. the deal. I think I, <laughs> I love would. it. Why not? Five percent. Yeah, five yeah. percent. I can still. I'm still getting my return. You know, um, as long as your money's not in uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, we're yeah, good. Right, or, you know. right. So, um, but what? So what you're seeing though is these these teams with resources. They yeah, they want to still recruit freshmen, but what they're doing is they're basically saying, you know what we're going to focus more on the portal and we'll just grab what the known commodities. We don't have to worry about the 18 year old. We're going to get three or four guys in the portal every year that we can plug and play and we'll always be competitive and old. And that's winning out. And, and, and like even Florida Atlantic, they're younger, but they don't start a freshman. So I, I just think it's an interesting way. It's, it's morphed already. Now saying that 
now the inefficiency or the the market you could take advantage of potentially if you're Iowa State is not the McDonald's All-American because they still want those. But let's say you're ranked uh, 60 to 140 nationally. Well, your Blue Bloods may not focus on those kids anymore because they're worried about your McDonald's All-Americans and then the portal guys. So perhaps it shifts now to a development situation of getting a guy, recruiting, and then developing them for two or three years. But to your point, Sage, then you got to keep them. And so, you know, NIL is just a big part of all of this because you're not only worried about attracting talent with your NIL opportunities, but then also retaining that same talent once they're there. A player can only transfer once. Is that right? It, so yes and no, it's changed already. The last couple of years with COVID, it was um, uh, part of my language. It was, it's been a shit show. Uh, just because they were handing out waivers like they were nothing um, because it was COVID and it was the free transfer came plus all this new legislation. So now where it stands is you get one free transfer and you can also have your grad transfer. So you could technically transfer twice after you graduate. Um, so, but the past couple of years, it's been they, like some of these guys have played for four schools. They've just been giving waivers out like crazy. So there all, all is still the possibility if you apply for a waiver for a hardship of some sort, you can get multiple transfers. Supposedly, they are cracking down on how hard the hardship has to be. So it can't just be, oh, I didn't play much. Give me a hardship. It has to be something fairly substantial for you to get a waiver to, to transfer another time. Where does Iowa State women's basketball stand in this uh, is how how different is the women's game versus the men's game yeah we all know that then the money in, in college sports is in the men's game but the changing. women's game is also extremely popular as well yeah and i would say uh it's getting to a point at the power five level where every single women's player is getting some base nil compensation that's where it's trending um so to even be on the conversation in the transfer portal for some of the women's players it's you need this X amount of NIL opportunities. That's really grown. Um, last year at this time, Sage, there was probably 50% of the schools in Power 5 that had a collective of some sort. Now it's 100%. So while like us at the We Will Collective, we've increased our resources substantially, so has everybody else. And so it's just kind of people are trying to figure out how to best utilize those resources in women's basketball is becoming a factor in this whole conversation. You had several LSU players on the women's side making six figures this year. You're going to see more and more of that as LSU is a good example. If you spend money with a good coach, look at them now. They're in the final four, and they won, what, eight games two years ago. So you're seeing more of it. On the Iowa State side, they've made some news this week of they've had a couple of players transfer out. And, and I'll just say this. I think the first reaction is, is, oh, it's either NIL or it's, um, you know, a power struggle with the coach. You're still dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds and say you've got kids at this age. Uh, I think the movement is the I won't say I won't say it's a commitment problem, but it's uh, kids these days are. are well, to, to call it a problem would mean that, you know, that what's right. 
That's the, yeah, that's the exactly. <laughs> that's the problem. Well said. And so I think kids are just more apt to change more often. Yeah. And for any number of reasons, it's it's not just money or it could be they're uh, not playing else. as much or they're not yeah. used as much. They're a role player. They want to be a star player. It might be a place that they feel like they can fit that role. Yep. Right. Or I wasn't be... I wasn't disgruntled when I was at the Houston Texans, but I wanted to start for the Vikings. So like how how do I get myself out of here? Yep. It could right. be style of play. It could be hey maybe you just don't like your teammates as much as you used to. Sick, sick parent, and that school is in the same town. Yeah, and we don't know. You're, you're a 19 to 21 year old. Like, look at look at the job market now. The I think people change jobs every 18 months until they're 30 years old on average now. Yeah. So I, I just think there's a lack of contentment with where people are. Now you throw in the free transfer, and then some with NIL, and you're just going to get more movement in the women's game too. And so that's why I think that's what's happened for Iowa State women's basketball. They lost two starters in the portal this week. And, you know, the phrase I think coaches are going to have to use is the portal taketh, but the portal giveth. Like you just, you're going to have to year to year. It's, it's gotta be a conversation and, and you can't have concrete plans. Sometimes those kids go to the portal and they come back. It's possible. Right. I mean, if you could be a free agent, believe me, if you could in the NFL be a free agent every Every single year, year, that's what's happening. You know, uh, the reason you don't want that, because if you don't play well, you're like maybe that might be it for you. But if you have a three or four year contract, the chances are they might keep it next year because there's a there's a cap issue there. So well said. Like, it, you know, if you could be a free agent though, and you're playing halfway well, you want to be. And there, I don't know. The the whole world has obviously changed with it. Pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. Watching both Miami men's and women's. You know the the women's team did sort of the same thing that Ruiz decided I'm going to put money into these two sports um, and and probably try to do the football program as well. And there's no guarantee for success. I think that's, that's absolutely a fact. Culture culture coaching, all that stuff still matters. However, here's, here's another thing though, at the end, at the end of the day, for the most part, 20 years from now, we'll go back to this conversation, but for the most part, the blue bloods will just still remain the blue bloods, right? Alabama, uh, they all, they're not going to have probably as much money as some of these other schools, but they're still going to be one of those schools. Ohio state is still going to be one of those schools and yep. they, they have so much money also, but uh, you know, does that really change all that much? Like, I don't know. You know other, than the, other than the fact that when Iowa state does have good players that they can be taken away uh, and to, to, to the other schools for a million bucks, you know, but again, we can, we can go to these smaller schools and say, Hey, you were really good at a smaller school. We see you as a development prospect. You fit right in. And now we're back to where we were before. And we're just exchanging players up and down. Yep. Uh, but everything actually in reality, the race is, you know, but there, there's movement in that, that, as you said, like Creighton basketball couldn't do this unless now it was in this biggies commerce that everyone's throwing their money into. They, they, they they can get to a higher level than maybe quicker. what they were before. Right, quicker if they can start using nil money for for their players. Yep, exactly. And there's no guarantee for success. I do think that these schools can quickly accelerate. Like K State's a good example. They didn't really spend money necessarily, but they they had one scholarship player returning. They turned over their entire roster, making elite eight. I think you can in basketball you can really turn it around fast with these free transfer rules and. And Sage, there's 1,400 players in the portal right now for men's basketball. That's an average of over four per team last year. So, you know, at some point, it's, so it's, it's, it's just going to be, it's just an annual thing. Every year is a different team. That's the way it's going to be. You love Iowa State. You're, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to fall in love with the players. 
right? I grew up falling in love with BJ Armstrong and Roy Marble and, and, uh, you know, Hoiberg, right? These, yep. these players that were there Victor for four Alexander, years yep. and you got to know them. And that's just not going to be the way it is now. It's like, oh, remember that one Iowa State team? They won it. Who was on the team? And it's like, and, you might know a player. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and it's, 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 you know, it's the way it is. And I think the coaches that really adapt to that and are, yeah. are two steps ahead are, are going to be more successful. It's like this. adapting to social media. Like, hey, you're going to have to need it. That, that's the way it goes. You yep. can't, you can't uh, uh, have kids want to come to your school and not have some sort of social and, media team. That's just the way it is. And football is a little bit different still because just the vast, numbers it's hard and it's harder for people to move the needle now where where they're seeing a big the big numbers in football are at the quarterback position um at the defensive end position and at the corner position so it's almost a direct in left tackle it's almost a direct reflection of the national football league (laughs) right so who are the most valuable people Uh, and it's not to say that you know if you're a a running back or a wide receiver you won't there is still value there but it's just like the NFL where, um, you know, for lack of a better term, 15 to 20 guys really are the difference between your great teams and your average teams. Yeah. And those are the ones that are are really sought after in this NIO world. Well, as we move on to football, Iowa State was four and what were they? Four and eight last four year. Um, after multiple years in a row uh, during the Matt Campbell era of winning 500 or more you know, games, um, which the best year was nine and three was the Fiesta Bowl yes. a couple of years ago, um, which tied the score record that we didn't win the Fiesta Bowl. It was in Arizona, though. It was the Insight.com Bowl. Um, the last year, four and 12. Of course, we know Brock Purdy goes to the NFL and, you know, almost becomes an MVP candidate in like seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Brees Hall also went to the NFL, the Jets. Blew his ACL ACL out uh, week five or six, but he was on track for like rookie of the year. Correct. Um, they lost a couple other guys to the NFL last year. Uh, those were those were big pieces, though. You know, David Montgomery, Brees Hall, back to back, great running backs. Um, their defense this year was still good, still top fifteen, good. Yep. I think one time I saw the offense was number one, the big 12, I'm sorry, the defense was number one, the big 12, the offense was last in the big 12. You don't see that a lot in sports where one side of the ball is, I mean, that's like the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know where their offense was, but it might've been last and their defense was like hands down the best in the national football league during that era. But you don't see that a lot. They make changes, right? They have new coaches on the staff. Tell me about these coaches, where they came from, and um, you know what their situation is. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest moves were twofold on the offensive side. A new offensive coordinator, not an unfamiliar name, but Nate Shieldhouse goes from wide receivers, running backs coach to the offensive coordinator, and Nate's a rising star. I mean, he he also interviewed, by the way, this offseason, I think, for the Eagles' offensive coordinator job. So I mean, wow. he he is big time now. Um, he's never called plays though. And so, honestly, it's an interesting situation. Iowa State's bringing back the spring game here ne- next month in April, and it's to get more fan engagement. And I think the staff realizes, hey, the fans are still a big part of what we do. Let's, you know, the spring game is a win-win for everybody in that yeah. regard. But also with that is they want an opportunity for Nate to call plays um, like he would, you know, before the opener. Um, so it's an, a nice opportunity for them to learn with all the new faces and and who's calling what and how it all works. So um, that that was the biggest move. 
but then they're super pumped. Uh, uh, they got a new offensive line coach, Ryan Clanton, who coached at UNI, a former Oregon Duck, played at a high level, and has really been rising through the coaching ranks. And he's already shifted the attitude quite a bit in that room. They, they, they believe in the talent in that room. They, nest, they don't think they necessarily had the best attitude in that room the past couple of years where they just need – I mean, Iowa State just needs to outwork and outpunish people. I mean, they got to be the toughest guys. And, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't the past couple of years. So with that, they also have a new strength and conditioning staff as well. So it's clear that Campbell is saying, listen, you know, we believe in some of the talent we have on our, our roster. We need to change our attitude and mindset in a lot of these areas. And so I think you're going to see Iowa State – really trying to establish the, the nastiness up front. Hunter Deckers has a lot of talent. You cannot win games with him throwing the ball 50 times. Got to run the ball. Got to figure out a way to run the ball. And that starts with establishing that mindset up front. And I think that's going to be the biggest change for Iowa State. And then a couple new coaches on the defensive side. Hank Boutique comes in from Wisconsin, uh, played in the NFL for a number of years. Um, and then now special teams coordinator in Jordan Langs, who – uh, comes from a D2 school in Indiana, so trying to address some of those things. So what the staff did is really take a holistic approach of where are our weak points, how do we address them? Let's get back to where we were when we first got here of uh, really establishing the ground game, being the hardest-working, effort-based team, and, and see what we can do from there. I thought about football in many ways as it relates to NAL and, of course, the Iowa State Weibo Collective, but the, the position that takes the most development – yeah, is offensive line. Uh, a lot of these guys are now it's the world's changed. People are lifting a lot more and taking a lot more supplements in high school and they're graduated 290 pounds. But, you know, either way, there's a ton of uh, lifting and learning and technique that simply takes two to three to four years. It does. I think that's where Iowa State can have an advantage. We may not get the highest, highest recruits at tackle. They're going to go to those yep. big schools, but it's okay. This is a development position. And if you develop them right, they don't have to be the most talented. If they're coached by the right guy, right. they don't have to be the most talented from when they develop from a basically 17, 18-year-old until they're 22 or 23. And also, they're not so talented where they're going to, they're going to leave school early and, and uh, you know after year three and go to the NFL and be a top five pick. These other schools deal with that issue. But offensive line, and I like that Iowa State got this guy from, uh, from Northern Iowa because I've called Iowa State Northern Iowa games multiple times. And offensive line is a position that I've always thought, man, they, that's well coached up there. I, you can see it. And they've had NFL guys that they've developed. They have NFL guys. Uh, the one guy, was he a first-rounder or a second-rounder last yeah, year? First-rounder. Uh, you at New Orleans, Penning. Yeah. Um, Trevor Penning? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would you would see that, and you go, like, how does this guy, a first-rounder, go, go to Northern Iowa, not Iowa or Iowa State? Like, well, you miss those guys because he was a high school tight end, and he played basketball or whatever. So it is a position that if you have the right offensive line coach, that they can find guys that are two and three star recruits um, and develop them with and, and, and develop them together to be dominant, to be dominant. In particular, when everyone's in this sort of like uh, uh, spread it around and throw it around, it's like, let's just let's come up here and run it down your throats. Like, what's you know, right, right, right? And, and so I've always thought there's a, there's a spot there for Iowa State, and that would be a great style to, to win games, you know, because in the Midwest, we do have 
it, it would be like inexpensive uh, added value to your team, right? Right. We can recruit a lot of guys around the Midwest that are, there's a lot of big people in the Midwest. They work extremely hard. We love wrestling. Uh, we love basketball. So there's this magic spot there. Um, and they're, you know, they're not going to be high paid going down to Texas or these other schools. And so you can develop them. And if you work hard and you, do, you know, the right coach and all those things, you can really become quite the player. And you said they, you know, obviously did that in Northern Iowa with Penning. Uh, they did it with, there's other offensive linemen yes, there. I know Bryce Brown. Pop, Bryce yeah. Pop was the defensive line coach, or maybe he is still the defensive line coach, mm -hmm. was for a long time. MVP of the NFL, by the way, defensive MVP at one point with the Buffalo Bills. He knows what he's doing, which also means that if you're going to compete against that every day, you better know what you're doing. Uh, and, and so I'm excited to see yeah. what this new line coach brings to the table and, and how it can maybe change some of the culture of that offense from what it was in your last year. I will say they're very encouraged with the progress already um, with that group. And again, they didn't think talent was the problem with, with them. I mean, they, they think they've got, you know, eight to 12 big 12 quality offensive linemen, but for whatever reason, the execution and the attitude wasn't where it needed to be last year. So fix that. Uh, and then I think everything else could fall into place. Skill guys, again, you lose Xavier Hutchinson. Um, that guy will be playing in the NFL uh, running back. Still some questions there. They did get a couple of transfers in that will compete for the job uh, wide receiver wise. I think Jalen Knoll could take a huge step this year, pretty high on him. The kid they got in the portal from Eastern Kentucky, Jaden Higgins is his name, really high on him as a guy that could step into that Hutchinson role. So again, I, I, will Iowa State win nine games next year? I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but I think it's bowl game should be the expectation for this group, for sure. I, I'm excited to see the new offense. I'm excited to see – not that new offense just in this year, but I, I think it's going to be a, uh, an upgrade and an improvement. And I'm excited to see it then maybe progress into years like two, three, four. Again, these big ships take time. It, sure. Quarterback's an extremely hard position to coach. I think the offensive line position is the hardest position to coach. I had some quarterback coaches that weren't great. Our offense was still fine. I've had offensive line coaches that were not great, and our offense was a disaster. And... Um, he said, I'm very hopeful this is the, the right guy for the gig, and uh, we'll have a chance to see him in the spring game. When is the spring game this year, Names? 22nd of April, so 11 o'clock. I have very fond memories of a spring game. I In my spring game, my uh, my redshirt freshman year, so I redshirt next year coming up, um, I became the holder. My kicker's name – I was a left-hand holder, left-hand kicker. My kicker's name was Duke Perfect, by the way. Uh, there's nothing better than like that. I mean, I feel like that's like a, a story in all of itself. Like the yeah. first time I held, the kicker's name was Duke Perfect. That was his name. Better than that, the, the kicker's last name being Shank. Yeah, but I played well in the uh, in, in the spring game, and it was a super windy day, and I threw a couple tight spirals on, on some on – some, um, seam routes and i was of course running like the number two number three offense and that got me to be the number two quarterback going into that second year and i became the holder but i had to switch because our kicker was jamie cole and he was right footed so i, I learned how to kick to, to hold both ways and then that ended up serving me well in the nfl it's incredible because i ended up yeah. being a backup holder and that adds value to, to you as a as, as a player so to, to be on the team if 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 it, it fits in your travels, you need to come over for the game on on the twenty second. So the We Will Collective is hosting a player a letter winners only former players social after the game. So um, I will see. Uh, I see if I can make that. I would love to be that. over there for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love, so we'll have. So our goal is to have over 
you know, 100 plus former football players and, and share with them kind of what our goals and vision are. And um, ultimately, the best advocates for us in this whole thing are the players who didn't get paid, if, for lack of a better term, because yeah. I think you guys understand more than anybody that, gosh, these guys, the, the wear and tear on your body, the stuff that you have to go through, the fact you can't have a full time job. Um, it's long overdue that we can do something for some of these current current guys. I have a lot of old teammates who've got various issues, back issues, ankle issues, knee issues. We got paid nothing. Right. Of course, we got great scholarships great. and those things. Yep. Uh, we didn't have, right. Uh, I know home team pizza was five nine nine because that's how much money I had. <laughs> I yep. remember, do you remember one topping home team pizza, large five nine nine. Um, we, we didn't have any money back in, in those days. It was, it was a different world. Um, guys appreciate that. They also are huge fans and many of them are very successful in a lot of ways because of playing football right. or playing, playing college sports. Um, and now they want to help out their team, you know, as, as I like trying yeah. to help out this collective one. Yeah. Think. And that's been the coolest part for me, Sage, is the nine, it's like 99% of former players I'll talk to in any sport are supportive because yeah. they get it. I mean, the, the, the former players have been way more supportive than I'd say the general public, um, which you may think it'd be the opposite because you guys never got paid. They but have actually they, more invested. They literally invested their bodies. True. Not just their time and maybe resources or, or whatever, but they actually their bodies are, you know, pieces of their of their soul or left on left Jack Trice yep. field, you know. So you guys are, you guys uh, take pride in pride in the product of what's going on. So it's been it's I, been fun to interact with you guys. I have a very, very vocal group text with a bunch of teammates, about probably 15 guys in it, you know, and it's every single game, it just starts. Like, I don't really, then next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. What's good, what's bad, what we should be doing, right? Still coming from 1997 mindset of, uh, uh, we got to just pound the ball at everybody, you know, the old yep. Dan McCartney mindset, which, which, which is great. So um, got the foreign players really, really do care. And uh, if you can make it spring game, April 22nd, Ames, Iowa, Jack Trice Stadium. Yep. Um, at Mid America Field, is that what they call it? Mid American Energy Field. Mid America Energy, yeah. Field owned by uh, Berkshire Hathaway, I believe, and Warren Buffett. That's just a fact. So know. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, Brent, uh, I appreciate. I was going to get into if you want to, we can be done, or I want a quick update on the NBA. Iowa yeah. State NBA guys, that's what I want to hear about. Iowa yeah. State. So you got George Niang with the 76ers. Yep. How's he doing? Uh, well, they're going to make the playoffs. Probably a top three seed. George is their their sixth guy coming off the bench. Has been a huge factor for them, and excited to see how they do in the playoffs. The Sixers, if you want, you know, your local circus sports book, and you want to look at who's an undervalued team right now. I, I would I would think about them. If Embiid's healthy, they're going to be tough to beat. Um, as far as so, Taylor, remember Taylor Horton Tucker? Yes, he just he scored forty one. They 40, scored forty one something yeah. like yesterday, kind of out of nowhere. So one year at Iowa State, we do yeah. have these like one and done. Yeah, that we have do. Gone on and done quite well in the but NBA. The, the coolest story, and um, big fan of this guy. So Tyrese Halliburton, first Iowa State All Star since Jeff Hornacek in nineteen ninety two this year, and he's about to in the next six months he'll sign a what they call the the max contract with the Pacers. He'll be getting upwards of thirty plus million dollars per year to play with Indiana. He's turned himself to literally one of the best players in the NBA, and he's about to be one of the wealthiest players in the NBA, which is pretty cool for a guy who was ranked 180th as a high school senior. And Iowa State was going to walk, was going to have him redshirt his first year at Iowa State until they're like, "Whoa, this skinny kid's pretty good." 
Well, you and I probably need to figure out who his agent is. I'll talk to my old agent. They got MBA guys. We'll figure out who his agent is. And I feel like in this new contract, you know, the agents like in the NFL usually get like two to three percent. All right. I feel like there's a little portion of that that should like head your way. Head to the hey, We Will Collective. Hey, buddy, I'm I'm a couple program. steps I'm a couple steps ahead of you. All right, all right, so, just, just, right. so that's good good news, good news coming on that front. I hope. Well, that's great. And I, I saw George uh, in the fall. I think it was uh, September. I was out in Philadelphia going to a Vikings um, uh, Vikings Eagles game and got to interview George uh, for the podcast. He has found his role. There's something cool in the NBA, and you see it in football too, but when you go from star college player, like the best player on your team, you're the go-to guy to go, okay, you're going to be great at finding this role where you're definitely not the star player. You're going to do this, that, and the other. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're going to find this role. And his role is that he can do a little of everything and he can shoot the three really well, right? He's not creating a lot of his shots. He's not the guy that you want the ball in his hands all the time. But he does a lot of things well. And at the NBA, he's become more and more a guy who has sort of barely made it. And then yeah, is really sure. going to make himself uh, a lot of money and, and have a long, long career. Probably not Halliburton $30 million a year money. But those other numbers that, uh, you know, end in six zeros it's or seven good. zeros is yeah. pretty dang good, too. Yeah, and then, and then Monte's doing great with the Wizards. I mean, they've had a down year as a team, but he has been a starter, uh, and he'll be in the NBA for a long time. So it's, it's neat to see these guys continue to have success. And I think are they, uh, the, are they the only guys? Matt Thomas still in the he's, NBA? He's not. Naz is not. Um, I'm trying to think who I'm missing. I think those are the only guys right now. Uh, but there are – the thing is, if, if Iowa State fans, there there's probably two dozen that are overseas making really good money over there. I don't, I don't think people realize how good of a living you can make uh, in Europe in basketball anymore. So they're if doing just fine. you need to fly over there and <laughs> go some, talk to those guys. Sage Rosenfeld's experience. Let's go. You want to, Hey, guys, I know you're way over here and <laughs> we're eating croissants right now. But back there in Ames, we need some of this, <clears throat> this French Pro League money to head that way so, to help out the squad. Matt Thomas took a pay cut to go play in the NBA for a couple of years. I mean, that's how much at the high, at the a league um, overseas, those guys are getting in definitely in the millions of dollars. Plus yeah. some guys really like it over there. It's just a different lifestyle. So yeah, it's interesting. It's no, it's, and I will say that the next, next Iowa state superstar, this Omaha Baloo, who's going to be a freshman next year, will only be at Iowa state for a year, future lottery pick. Uh, maybe Maybe well, he won't be as high as Marcus Pfizer as far as a draft position, but uh, he's a top fifteen kid next year. All right, well, looking forward to next year's basketball season, men's and women's. Looking forward to the football season. Spring is in the air. It you is. have the spring sports going on right now, um, and we got to go. Brent Bloom, I sincerely appreciate the update. Uh, good luck to you, sincerely, with the We Will Collective and all that. How this thing evolves. If you ever need anything from me, you got my number. Um, I'll do what I can. You know, because I can do little things sometimes. Um, you're not Tyrese Halliburton Sage, but you're pretty close. We all know that. I'm come doing on. my best. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm a lot older. That's for sure. <laughs> Let me know. Hey, come over. We need we need to get some beers if you're back for the spring game. So sounds good. Good, good to see you. Well, Brent, thanks for coming on. Uh, that is uh, that is it for the Sage Rosenfels experience uh, on the Iowa Everywhere Network. Thank you. Iowa Everywhere.